Well, open your Bibles, if you would, to um, Proverbs chapter 1. Carol, I'm just going to give that to you now. In the back, I have a handout. I don't know that we'll get to the handout today. I'd assume we wouldn't, but I, I made brand new ones, and I put them out there. It's the same one that you've had, but because it's been so long, I, I would understand if you threw the other one away or you don't even know where it is. I'm not sure if I was here. I would have. And we're eventually going to look at descriptions or things that describe or responses that help us give an understanding of a full picture of what does it mean uh, to fear the Lord. But when you haven't looked at something or thought about something in an entire month, you sort of have to have a, a bridge to come back to where we were. So we're going we're gonna to walk across a bit of a, of a bridge today and sort of remind us where we've been and, and where, we're, where we're going. I, I guess you would say a review. We, we said in Proverbs 1, as Proverbs uh, opens up, that one of the key themes all the way through the book of Proverbs is the fear of the Lord. And we looked at the key verse in chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And then we see the, the contrast. We talked about how Pro, Proverbs is, is written. Much of Proverbs is written in contrast, one versus the other, or similes that amplify. But it's, it's that style of wisdom literature. So we see that there is a, a fear of the Lord that's the beginning of knowledge, and then there's something that fools do. Fools despise wisdom uh, and knowledge. And so... Again, we looked at where does wisdom come from? Where does knowledge come from? It comes from God. If God doesn't reveal himself to us, we wouldn't know him. Uh, you might look at it this way. When you, generally speaking, when you're looking at, at Proverbs and you, you, you hear this word uh, wisdom and knowledge, uh, how they go together is that men all the time and women, people, like the people in the second half of this verse, they study. They study and they study and they learn and they learn and the only thing it does is puff them up. They don't know God. And the study and the knowledge never brings them to a knowledge of the truth. It never brings them to godliness. And so they, they study and they research a topic for years and they seem to be brilliant people. In all their brilliance, they can't see what a fourth grader who was regenerate would be able to see from the Word of God. Because knowledge without regeneration, knowledge without the fear of the Lord is useless. Peter has given us, Peter Gill, a testimony of, of that many times. It's his testimony. Peter is a brilliant man. And he has studied. And Peter would have been one of those people who would have argued for you for hours why it is not scientifically possible that there is a creator God. But the more he dug, the spirit of God took the word of God that other people were putting in him, and he opened that eyes. And, and a man who was brilliant, yet a fool. I'm sorry, brother, that's what the Bible says. He was a brilliant fool. He didn't know what sixth graders 
know that are being trained in their home by Bible-believing people, all of a sudden the Spirit of God opened up his eyes to see the truth, to refute evolution and all of the things that the schools had taught him. And when that did, it was like everything started coming together. It was like boom, 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 boom. It all makes sense. That's what God does. Isn't that amazing? The God that we have. But if he doesn't open our blind eyes, we don't see. And so there's wisdom and there's knowledge. But that wisdom and knowledge can only be put into instruction, only be used for the glory of Christ if somebody knows the giver of that wisdom and that knowledge, the one that put it all together. And that's part of this whole idea of the, of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord in the, in the Old Testament is a very strong concept all the way through. Um, it can be described, the word fear, it can be described as terror. But in context, um, with the fear of the Lord, it, it almost, always, uh, index, almost always indicates uh, an awe, a reverence, a respect, uh, an honor. So it's not that it's not fear, but it's, it's not afraid of his wrath. It's, it's as we'll see, and that's why it, there's these six descriptions that we're going to look through. It's, it's, a, it's a fear that draws us in love, and we honor him, and we worship him, and we love him, and we serve him. But the backdrop of that is we understand who he is, and in Christ, what he delivered us from. And that's an amazing thing. We, we know. The Bible is clear. It's a fearful thing to what? Fall in the hands of the living God. We know that. And, and we knew we were the ones that hung over hell and by his grace, he saved us. And so while there's fear, there's reverence and awe, why would you save me and not them? Have you ever done that? Do you know somebody? I have a brother. I have other people in my family. Blind. Why am, I, why am I not blind? I should be the one that's blind. And, and that gives you an awe and a, and a, and a reverence and a, and a desire to worship and to, and to live for him, doesn't it? Every time you, you, you push that reset button in your heart. And so uh, that's all the way through the, the, the Old Testament. And, and the fear of God is often expressed in loyalty and faithfulness to him and to his covenant. I mean, he's made a covenant with us. I mean, he's made a covenant promise. How many, no, don't raise your hand, because we'd all have to, and we don't want to be doing too much moving around in here. We might accidentally hit somebody. How many of you failed today, yesterday? The same number that are going to fail tomorrow. But his mercies are what? New, how often? Every morning. And despite my lack of faithfulness, who's faithful? God is. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's patient. He's, he's a, a loving God. He gives his loving kindness. He, he, he forgives and he's patient with us and he grows us and he's promised that he that's begun a good work in us will complete. What's that good work? Conformity to the image of Christ. He's doing that work. I'm not like Jesus. 
but I'm going to be like Jesus. And that's amazing, isn't it? Amazing grace. And that, and that, that is a mix of fear and love that blesses our, our hearts beyond belief. Those who fear God exhibit trust in him, faith. We'll, we'll look at that. It's not disconnected. It's totally connected like a, like a train. You can't fear the Lord if you don't have faith in the Lord. And as you have faith in that Lord and confidence in his word and in his promises and the covenant he's made and what he has promised, what he has declared about you and his relationship with you, that gives you courage, it gives you boldness. It gives you a desire to want to obey. And when you don't obey, it breaks your heart. And you seek forgiveness and you make it right. That, that, that all flows out of, out of the fear of the Lord. We know when we go to the scriptures, those that fear the Lord, there's so many promises. Uh, I, it, it, it's almost over, overwhelming how many they, uh, there are that offer protection, wisdom, and blessing. For those that fear the Lord, we'll, we'll look at a few of them today and a lot more next week. But it's not just it's not just an Old Testament concept. It's usually handled slightly different in the New Testament, but there's many references in the New Testament as well. And I just want to remind us of that. It's it's a Bible doctrine. It's it's from beginning to end. We're called to fear the Lord. If you'd like to follow along, I should have put all this out to you, but I don't have it. You don't have to. I'm going to read the verses, but I'm going to start in the book of Acts. I just want to read a few New Testament verses that deal with the fear of the Lord so we can connect this all together. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and fools despise it. They despise knowledge, wisdom, and instruction that comes from God. Proverbs 9.10 says this, basically the same thing. Look at Acts chapter 9.31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord Acts 9:31 and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit and it continued to increase so we have the fear of the Lord and it says that the church was was being built up it's clear the Holy Spirit was taking the word it was building and maturing this this immature, brand new, tiny little church that explodes from tiny to massive. You talk about mega. You go from Acts 1-8 to Acts 2 and you got a hundred people in the upper room and all of a sudden you've got 5,000 people who now have trusted in Christ. Now that's mega, folks. And, and as that church grew and as that church matured, the fear of the Lord is an important concept. And, and it says right here, 931, that they were built up and they enjoyed peace. Uh, not peace because they had it easy. In fact, there was great affliction in the early church. Great affliction. But in that affliction, they had peace because they knew Christ and the grace he would, he would give. And it gave them endurance they continue to increase no matter what came their way because they feared the Lord. And in that fear, they loved him and served him and trusted him. They gave him endurance. We all need endurance. Look at Acts 19 and 17. 
I, I just don't have time to set the context for all of these verses, but you can go back and look it up for yourself. And this became known to all, both Jews and Greeks, that lived in Ephesus, that fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. Have you ever heard anybody say the man upstairs? Yeah. I can't look at a person's heart. That's very offensive to me. And there's many other slangs. And I've learned to have to not be arrogant and self-righteous because there are times and places where I've said things that I didn't really realize what I was saying. And a lot of times people don't know. But um, he's not to be trifled with. He's holy. And, and, and he's amazing God. He's, he's awesome God. And, and, and he's to be feared and his name is to be magnified. If you've been in the world, lived in the world very long, then you've heard the name Jesus in the world thousands of times and almost every one of those times it was a curse and this Jesus who hung on a tree and died for me is the one they're cursing I want to bless him with my life that's what the fear of the Lord does I used to be one who cursed him and now by the grace of God I can bless him that's what the fear of the Lord does and that's what it does in our hearts and, and we should want to magnify the name of Jesus we should want to lift our voice in praise. I don't know about you, but when we sing, when we sing here, there are many Sundays that some of the songs, I can't get through them without tears just running down my face. When I think of the grace of God and what he's done in me, what he's forgiven me from, the, the, the promises that, that, that we have, it, it, it's an amazing thing, and that all flows out of the, the fear of the Lord. Look at 2 Corinthians we have enough time to walk through 2 Corinthians here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want you to see this. It's, it's amazing. Therefore, I'm going to show you 2 Corinthians 5, and then I'm going to show you 2 Corinthians 7. But 2 Corinthians 5, 11. And both of these are therefore. So you're going to have to go back yourself and see what the therefore means, because it's therefore for a reason. There's a context. That's obvious. But I want you to see that the, the the truth in that in that word and then you go check the context therefore knowing the fear of the lord we persuade men but we are made manifest to god and i hope that we are made manifest also to you and to your conscience look at that therefore knowing the fear of the lord we persuade men. We understand to some extent the wrath of God, don't we? Well, we understand the certainty of judgment to come. We understand to some extent, as we've studied the word, what we have been delivered from. We understand that grace, and we understand what people who haven't received that grace, the condemnation that's upon them, that they're heaping up more and more every day. We understand that. And because of that, that causes us to persuade men. We can't talk them into trust in Christ. That, that means that we persuade them using the word of God, the gospel, which can do the work. 
This week, my Uncle Willie died. We had a very, very close family, and I was very close to my aunts and uncles because for many, many years, I was the oldest of what now is probably 50 cousins. But at that time, I was the oldest, the first, and if I must say so, the best loved um, because I was probably the most lovable. Um, and we were a very close-knit family, and most of the family lived close together like they did back in those years. Understand, I was born in 1949. A lot has changed in those years. But my aunts and uncles, most of them, are still alive, amazingly. Well, he died. It's a grievous thing to me because I have no confidence that my Uncle Willie is in heaven. But I have peace like a river. And do you know why? Because knowing the fear of the Lord, I persuade men by the grace of God. Somebody else, because they knew the fear of the Lord, persuaded me and brought me the gospel. My Uncle Willie and my Aunt Gert came for a visit and stayed in our home at 302 Leawood Drive. Do you remember that, Sherry? And we had a lovely time with them. We have a couple of funny memories about that time as well that I won't share with you. But we had a lovely dinner. And I'm be honest with you, it was planned. But after dinner, we would have family devotions. And so we would invite guests to join us around the table at family devotions. And when we had somebody there that we were reasonably sure was lost or didn't know the gospel, it just seemed like our family devotion for that particular night happened to be the gospel as it's rolled out in Romans. And so we basically worked through the gospel. And it was a very comfortable setting because I didn't have to ask Uncle Willie or Aunt Gerd any questions. I could ask Sherry and I could ask Scott and I could ask Judy. And, but they're listening to the whole thing. And so we were able to go through the, through the gospel that all has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We were able to talk about the depravity of man. We were able to talk about how God is holy and how holy man and sin, holy, holy God and sinful man, the God who is the creator, is also the judge that's appointed unto man and wants to die and then the judgment. And we were, we were able to open up those verses that while I was yet ungodly, Christ died for me. That while the wages of the payment for my sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life. And we were able to work through that all, all the way to that. If the Spirit of God works in your heart and you heard this gospel, what you believe in your heart, you would then confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ could be Lord and you're saved. So we worked all the way through that. And why do I have peace? I have peace because it's never been your job or my job to bring the increase. It's never been our job. We can't talk anybody into anything. It's never been our job. But what is our job? We're to sow the seed. 
We're to sow the seed. We're to, we're to take the gospel and to persuade men. And we had that opportunity. Now, that, that opportunity doesn't sit alone. I have many other ways that we shared the gospel and I've shared the gospel with my family. So I don't know if he's in heaven. I don't know if he's in hell. I try to think as positively as I can knowing the judge of the whole earth will only do right. But it's a great peace knowing because of the fear of the Lord, because of what I'd been delivered to, we as a family had shared Christ because we had a burden for them. Isn't that what the fear of the Lord does? Doesn't that drive all of us in one way or some fashion to want to share with our neighbors or our family the best that we can persuade men? That's what's going on here in 2 Corinthians, and that's what the fear of the Lord does. Look at 2 Corinthians 7 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of the flesh. 2 Corinthians 7 1. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. We know we're not holy. We know we have besetting sins and those things that come back, but we, we don't want to be that way, so we keep pursuing. We keep putting off and putting on. We keep praying for God to help us to be like him, grow us in his grace. Why? Because we fear the Lord. And we have the right kind of fear of the Lord. We, we, we want to live for him who died for us. That's all part of the fear of the Lord. Look at First Peter I've only got a minute or two, so I'm going to read through these quickly. You can write down the references as you want. First Peter 2.17, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God and honor the king. <clears throat> you see, the part of Peter's admonition is that we must fear God because if you look at all those other references there, first we fear God, we serve God, we love God. What's the first and great commandment? Love the Lord your God, right? All your heart, all your soul, all your mind. What's the second? It's like under the first. The second is that you would take and honor all people. You would love the brotherhood. And yes, you'd even give honor to the king. And it it flows out of this fear of the Lord that that we have that drives us to want to obey him and then love him supremely, but also love others. Yes, even those that are unlovable. To ask for that grace to to love others. Revelation 14, 7, and 19, 5, and 6 are beautiful examples of true worship. Where the fear of the Lord is, there's true worship. Revelation 14, 7, and he said with a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens and the earth the seas, and the springs of water. We'll look at because he's a creator. We fear him, and that fear leads to worship. Revelation 14, 7, and he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heaven and the earth, the seas. Yes, True worship flows out of fearing God. I just read the same verse again. So you heard it twice. I thought it sounded really familiar. (laughs) I'm a nut. You've got to put up with me. 
Let me try 19, 5 and 6. Let's see if it sounds different. And the voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God, all you his bondservants, who fear him. That's who praises God genuinely from the heart, those people that fear him in the way we're talking about, both small and great. And then I heard something. It was like the voice of a great multitude, like the sound of many waters, like the sound of a mighty pearls of thunder saying, Hallelujah! For the Lord God Almighty reigns. That day's coming. That day's coming and we'll be there. If you fear the Lord, you'll be there. And because we fear the Lord, we want to obey him. Because we fear the Lord, we want to grow in being like him in holiness. Because we fear the Lord, we want to persuade men. Those are all aspects of the fear of the Lord that will take and unfold over the next two or three weeks so that we have a, as good a grasp as possible and that we can be people that um, have some handles to the fear of the Lord. I want you to know as a teacher, the month in between about killed me. And as a teacher, I struggled with do I continue down this road of this topic because to get us back on track, I knew it was going to be so hard. It's like starting all over again. But I can't prove this, but I became convinced that the satanic opposition that I was facing, which sounds mysterious, but let me just tell you it was very real, um, it led me to have more conviction than other that there couldn't be a more important topic in all the world than the fear of the Lord. And I want us to own it. The Spirit has to give that understanding. And I'm praying for you that he will. That we'll take this very seriously and he'll grow us in this area. And, and I'm encouraged um, because as I've responded to that in faith, um, a peace has come. Uh, I know, again, that's so subjective. But a peace has come and convinced God's going to do work through this series. So you pray for me. And you pray for your own hearts that will we'll grow in grace. Thank you, Lord. You're mighty God. And we love you. We pray you'll meet with us in power in the hour to come. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.